Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 58. I'm joined as usual with Stevie Poocher. I'm also pleased to say that we've got our resident football analyst, Daniel St. Ledger, with us today. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for having me back, Joe. I wasn't sure whether we let, let in after the last time, but did something all right. <laughs> yeah, we great feedback from the last podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to review the weekend's football matches, lads. There were a lot of football matches at the weekend. There were four in Leinster, two in Ulster, uh, two in Munster and one in Connacht. So we'll try to get through most of them. But before we do that, just uh, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped's online platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. Head over there to Ripped.app for more information. Okay. Daniel, uh, big weekend uh, for, for obviously the Leinster Championship. We had four games in it. Let's start with the Leinster Championship and let's have a look at uh, Dublin and their annihilation of Wexford. It was 124 to not four. Yes, we, we all probably expected Dublin to come through that comfortably, even with their relegation to Division Two. But still in all, were you impressed with them? Um. It's very, very hard to analyze. Um, like there was a, obviously there's a massive gap, even just in the basics and from the strength and conditioning point of view, you know, Dublin just had bigger, stronger, faster players and that goes an awful long way. So it's, it's hard to actually pick out anything majorly different tactically they were doing, you know. I, from the team announcement, I thought it was interesting, you know, playing Con from the start, having not played any league games, that, that was kind of a... Uh, it made out that they wanted to make a statement, you know, and, and I thought that was kind of interesting that they weren't easing them back in. They didn't, not that they may not have trusted some of the lads they used in the league, but it was basically a kind of a signal that you're our guy con and as good a footballer as he is, it's unusual to see Dublin so heavily reliant on and everything would be grand when Con is banned. You know, as as Kerry probably learned last year, to have that kind of reliance on one on one footballer is not is not ideal. But tactically, as I said, there, there was nothing really. There was nothing you could see discernibly different. Like you know, they they probably play with a bit of, a bit more tempo and a bit more energy than they have normally. But I, I kind of would expect that as well because there there was almost an element of them having a point to prove after the league, which which is amazing to think of a six time All Ireland team. I know it's a different team now, but still a lot of the same a lot of the same individuals. And um, they had a point to prove a bit and. I was, I was texting Stevie during the game after about 10 minutes. Wexford had started really well. They, they controlled the tempo and they, they, they held on to the ball for periods of time. And, and I was actually thinking, God, Dublin are under a little, little bit of a squeeze here, you know. But slowly but surely, they, they, they wore their way into it. But as regards tactically, I, I don't know. I didn't, see, I didn't see a whole lot different. You know, there was the only thing I could possibly, you know, you know spot maybe was when they were defending, they were defending in... In numbers, they were overloading the tackle area a lot. So in the league, a huge amount of time, you were seeing one on ones, and you were seeing one man chasing, chasing kind of chasing the ball in the middle third of the field without working as a unit. And there's a little bit more of maybe hunting in threes and fours, and they were happy to let, let Wexford have a little bit of ball in their half. But as soon as Wexford kind of came into their half of the field, it was there was a real zip in their transition, you know. And it's 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 a, the counter attacking game is much maligned as we know, but that's pretty much what Dublin did to a Division Four team in the first half. You know they they let them come on to them and they, they hit them on the break. So yeah, I, I I'd be slow to I'd be slow to say they're back or I, I I wouldn't be so sure. But 
as I said, the last day, they'll probably still get to an All-Ireland semi-final and there's, there's bigger, I think Brian Fenton let a little slip in the interview afterwards. He said, we've bigger tests to come in the summer, you know, so that's, that's probably where they're thinking as well. He certainly did. And Stephen, um, just looking at the Dublin performance there, as Daniel sort of alluded to, um, is this a resurgence of the Dublin team or can we not look into this too much because Waxford are a Division 4 team and, you know, they're miles apart? Joe, I've said for a number of years now, um, and, and I'll still say it again to reinforce what Daniel said, is that one of the major, major issues with, or not issues, sorry, one of the major differences between Division 1 and Division 3 and 4 is the level of physical conditioning. You know, and it's a huge, huge difference. And, and like, you've got to look at a team who have, for the last six or seven years, probably longer. Daniel will probably be able to tell you the age profile of those Dublin players better than me. me. But for the last six or seven years, those lads are on a, on a really structured, tailored individual program. They've been following the right nutrition advice. They've been getting the best of training, the best of, of, of nutrition and sleep and diet, whatever the, the bloody need to do to get to the highest level from a conditioning point of view. You know, they're so far down the line in that respect, you know, in comparison to the counties from, 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 from other divisions. Like, and Tyrone, Tyrone versus Fermanagh was a prime example, Joe. You know, Tyrone obviously were not didn't play well on Sunday. They didn't play well against Fermanagh, but simply the simple difference in physical conditioning eventually wore Fermanagh down late in the second half in that game, you know, and that obviously got them over the line. And it was exactly the same with Dublin. I think after 20, 25 minutes, it was only 5-1 or 6-1 or something like that. I know I'd say only 5-1, but, you know, they hadn't pulled really away from Wexford like they would have done in the past, Joe. Like Dublin would have been out in the past, Daniel, and absolutely blew teams out of the water in that first 15, 20 minutes. The game would have been over. It would have been a bore fest after that. And it was just, it was nearly like a slow death for, for Wexford the other day. But I don't know, Joe, if it's, if it's enough to say they're back. But for me, I definitely seen a little bit of a difference in their mentality and their approach in comparison to the, the National League. But I still do believe there are fundamental things that happened in that game against Wexford that wouldn't happen under Jim Gavin. For example, the likes of Lee Gannon breaking forward and shooting the outside of his foot or coming inside and not seeing a man and maybe trying to, you know, a ridiculous pass or something like that. And I just feel there's a number of players still within the Dublin t team currently that probably just aren't at the 2017, 2018 level, Joe, that, that, that the previous players would have been at. And that's, you know, just simply because they were an awesome side and a fantastic team and a, and a really strong and deep bench to come into the game as well. Fenton's comments were very interesting. It wasn't like, you know, we've got a big day out the next day. It, we've got bigger games out in the summer, you know. So they're obviously thinking further down the lane and saying, look, they'll cruise through Leinster, let's be honest. They're going to beat me. They'll beat me by close to double scores, whether we like it or not. Particularly the games at Crow Park, it's going to be it's going to be a a, a Walson victory for them. They'll get to the final. Kildare will be in the final and say probably Kildare beat Westmeath, and there'll be a bit of a spurt from Kildare for for twenty minutes, half an hour. But in Crow Park, you know, there's only one winner, so they're they're guaranteed probably, in my opinion, to win another Leinster based on what I've seen in Leinster so far. Uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see when the big guns arrive how far they have gone down the road in, in, in comparison to where they were in the National League, you know. And Daniel, beyond uh, Leinster, when we're talking about Con, you mentioned Con coming back. Uh, you know, yesterday you could see his sort of cutting edge, his decisiveness. Uh, first of all, why, why is Con so good? And how important is he to Dublin's success going forward? He, he definitely changes the way they have to play a little bit. Like he, he probably gives them, um, he gives them a kick option they probably don't have otherwise. You know, it's and and again, this is when, when we're talking about coming up against division division one teams, not like against against a division 
three, four team, they're going to have kick options all over the field. But let's say when we're talking about longer down the summer, he is almost guaranteed to win nine out of 10 balls that go into him, even if they're 60 40s. And that changes how a team can, de can defend against you. So most teams, let's say this year against Dublin, were kind of able to squeeze the middle third a little bit more because Dean Rock's game isn't necessarily ball winning. Cormac Costello, more of a finisher. You know, you, you might be guaranteed that he's going to win his own ball. Um, Odell from Temple Oak, kind of in a similar mold as Costello. So they have, they have a, lot of a lot of very similar type of players. But, but Con gives you a kind of a, a directness that it forces teams to have to drop a little bit deeper. And <laughs> that might make a difference as it proved. He, he had a double sweeper on, on, on Saturday and he still came out with 1-6. But it, it does change the whole narrative and that gives Dublin a little bit more time in the middle of the field. And it allows, like, for example, Fenton strolled over four points in the first half because Wexford had to sit so deep because of the threat of Con. And I think that opens up, that opens up a whole new uh, dynamic for this Dublin team. And, and we probably never saw it up to this point because they've he's, he's practically been ever present since he came into the panel he barely missed a game with injury so it, it definitely changes how the opposition will will play against Dublin when he's there as opposed to when he's not there but his his finishing is 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 looked as razor sharp as ever but it's his threat it's his constant ball winning threat and he shows and he shows hard it's it's not a kind of a, a watery sort of a half run to the sideline that you're kind of wondering will he will he want to get ball like if you looked at his at his retention the last day, most of it was in in an arc around the around the goalpost from ball catcher to ball catcher. It's very rare you see him in a corner having to work it out. He's always in a really dangerous position. And look, I, that, I don't think that's coaching. I don't think I think there's a, an element of a real kind of a, a poacher's instinct and a natural ball winning instinct that they've really missed the thing since they've been gone. And Stevie, just before we come off that game, Waxford. As Daniel was saying, you know, they, they were doing all the right things at the beginning of this game. Now, Shane Roach, he must be pulling his hair out because he, he knows he's up against a team that's far superior. Obviously, now they're going into the Talshan Cup. Um, how important is the Talshan Cup for, for the likes of Wexford? Well, Joe, you'd obviously, you know, having worked with London, you obviously understand the difficulties and things you had. The Division 4 sides have, you know, and, uh, you know, you're going to get maybe possibly one championship game. Obviously, it was obscure the, the year that... Um, Obviously, the two years I was involved with Carlo with Daniel there, like we had five championship games in 2017, and I think we had four championship games in 2018. So for a Division Four team, it's quite unique to have nine championship games in two years. Uh, I think that's what 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 most teams are complaining. Listen, Anthony or, or not Anthony? Uh, well, technically it is Anthony. Anthony McIntyre, Tony McIntyre, sorry from Cross the Bay, who uh, who's the Sligo manager, and I listened to his interview after the game where he was more or less conceding defeat to Roscommon, and he says, look. He says, the bottom line is we need more games at our level against opposition of our, our capacity. But at the same time, Joe, I'm going to sort of give play a devil's advocate here and, and Daniel will probably be able to back me up here because he was involved in those games. But I felt games that, that Carlo had against the likes of Dublin and Monaghan and Tyrone, I felt we learned an awful lot more from those games than playing the likes of Leitrim or London or Wexford. And that's all due respect. There's no disrespect to those opposition. But when you're playing a team of your level, you know, you're still making the same mistakes and getting away with it and getting away with it. You're still getting the same scores without having to really try to get them. You know, whereas when you play the bigger side, you learn so much more. And like Daniel will probably echo this. Like I would say, Daniel, honestly, in hindsight, 2017's game against Monaghan was a massive, massive learning curve from Carlo going into 2018. Like a huge learning curve. And for me, it, it more or less was the platform for a really successful year the following year, Joe. Gives you confidence. And this is my argument. We have a product. We have a product that is every team plays at their own level. And it's called the league. 
that's the product we have. Like it's actually a better product than most sports have. We have a national league that is very, very fair. It's everyone playing the same level. But for me, it gets to the championship. You know, you get the one-off day, the big day, whatever it happens to be, you got to cut at somebody. That's fine. You know, and I know it's Hudson Cup, but I listened to Barry O'Hagan this morning, for example, in the Irish News saying that he's got no desire and no appetite to play in the Hudson Cup for down. That's fair enough. But that's, unfortunately, that's where down are at at the minute. That's the level they're at. But I would say for a county like down, it's probably actually more beneficial, believe it or not, than a county like Wexford because down actually have an opportunity if they get their house in order, got their gear together, they could actually go and win the Hudson Cup quite comfortably. You know, and that might give them confidence. Some of the younger players, like the Ryan McGills and Noel Murdoch, I know we're going to speak about down soon. Like, but it would give some of the younger players then a bit more confidence and belief going forward. But I don't know what Daniel's take is in it. But I, I personally feel, Joe, that for me, you need to be playing teams that are a better level than, than actually the same level as you. It's probably as far as I could see. Like, there's a lot. There's a there's an importance on, on where a team is at as well, and and what stage in their development it is. You know, so for us in that year in 20, 2017, we had a lot of 27, 28 year olds who kind of been around the block, had played Division Four for seven or eight years, who were kind of ready for a level of organisation which we ended up getting, and we're ready for a, a kind of a different sort of a challenge. But if you're if if we had a team maybe five years previous where we're 22, 23 year olds. We weren't overly organized. Like in 2014, Mead bet us by 7.13 to six points. I can tell you, we didn't learn an awful lot from that. You know, we, that was that was fairly chastening. So there, there's a huge, there's a huge, like it really depends on where a team is at in their profile. Like I, I was thinking about in a, in a Carlo context, and it's interesting you brought up down, in a Carlo context, Nile Crew should be, you know, really excited about, or getting these panel excited about what's coming up for the Charlton Cup because the whole narrative has been about a young team, young team, young team. So after the league, it almost should have been a case of, right, lads, this championship game, if we win it, great. If we don't win it, it doesn't matter because our focus is on first round of the Challenging Cup because this is what we need. We need games. We need another three or four weeks training together. And, you know, that, that's probably great for a young Carlo panel, but would it be great for a team, let's say, like Offaly, who have been, you know, kind of at the top end of Division Three, Division Two? Um, would have had a fairly bad defeat to Wexford that they'd be expecting to win. You know, do they get the same level of enthusiasm from a Talton Cup than that, 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 that a Carlo would? You know, probably not. So you're going to see probably a huge disparity between what you would imagine traditional teams, you know, the strengths of traditional teams and what maybe, uh, like, like a Sligo, who, who seem to be enthusiastic about it. You know, there could, there could be some funny results thrown in, but look, whether, <laughs> whether we like it or not, but it's here. So I... I, I kind of think this is where managers have to earn their salt a little bit. And again, if you're if you're if you're managing a county in Division Three or Four, it's up to you to get your players excited. It's up to you to sell the product because at the end of the day, if you're looking at long-term development, this this is important. And there's no point kind of whinging and moaning about it. Like you have to you have to look at this as a as a as a, as a stepping stone to not just next year, but it could be the year afterwards. You know, and rather than looking at it in the short term consistently. Joe, Joe, I, I want to use a quick example. I want to use a quick example of Limerick. And Daniel would know because he played against Limerick for a long period of his career. Like, there's Limerick, Billy Lee. I have a lot of time for Billy Lee and the job that he's done in Limerick. And you've got to look at where Limerick have come from. You know, and you would have known Joe yourself, your involvement with London. You would have fancied your chances going up against Limerick most weekends. You know, when we were with Carlo, the couple of years I was with Carlo, I think we beat them three times in the three games we played them, or two or three, whatever it happened to be. Like, we'd never failed them. But Limerick got their house in order four or five years ago when Billy Lee came in. You know, they were taking awful bait, it was awful prominence. They got a lot of young lads in, they got rid of a bit of dead wood. 
They were in a really good strength conditioning program. They're very well organized. They know what they're doing. Tactically, they're astute. Billy Lee does his homework on the opposition. He's very, very astute in that he will research and delve into the opposition in great detail. He'll pick his matchups. He has a good system in place. The players are buying in. There's belief within the panel. They've gone from Division 4 to Division 3 to Division 2. They're now in the, the, uh, the last four of a Munster Championship against Tipperary, where they will fancy their chances. They have perceivably could get to a Munster final and they could perceivably be in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. You know, and for them, that is a massive, massive success. Like, you know, would, it, would the same success be for that Limerick group when the Tulsa Cup? Maybe to back up what Daniel said there, maybe where they are presently right now, no, it probably is not, you know. But you have to say, and I'm just going to be honest with you, Joe, I think there's far too many people that can just use the excuse, oh, players aren't here, it's, the golf's too big, blah, blah, blah. It's a load of nonsense. A management team can dictate so much of where a group is and how a group develops. Massive, massive. It's got a massive influence. If you've got a management team who the players are going to buy into and believe in, okay, then it's going to take you places. But if you don't, like, like players aren't stupid, Joe. Players will work out bluffers like that. Like that, you work out a bluffer. Like, and there's so many bluffers in the county circuit, it's unbelievable. And unfortunately, that's a big statement, but unfortunately, it's the truth. Like, there is far too many. And they're out and they're on the roundabout and they stay on the roundabout because of their name or because of what they achieved 30 years ago as a player or whatever happens to be. And that's the reality. And that is the reality of the situation. <clears throat> yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see how teams treat this Talchon Cup. Lads, just having a look at Dublin, they'll be playing Meath in Crow Park. That's, that was announced yesterday. Daniel, uh, Meath beat Wicklow 413 to 112. A couple of good performances, individual performances there, Brian Menton and Jordan Morris. Um, how did you see that game? And do you think they have any hope against Dublin? Burn in mind that I think Meath only got beaten by them by six points uh, last in last year's Leinster. Yeah, it's um, again, Meath are kind of like the Meath me, and Meath and Wicklow was kind of like Dublin and Wexford. It's kind of hard to read too much into it. Like Wicklow are conceding fairly heavy, and and you know how much strain was there? How much strain was their system or their skills put under? You know as well as Wicklow would have tried, you know, probably not. So we kind of don't really know much about Mead yet, but Mead always kind of cried out as a team that needed a bit of organisation because there's no there's no doubting they have players that they, they seem to have put a huge emphasis on strength and conditioning and, and they're, they're, they're some really, really athletic players. But it, I, I think they probably need to um, swallow a little bit of medicine against Dublin, you know, and kind of try and frustrate as best we can. And, and people are going to say, Asher, oh, sure, you have to go and have a go, yada, yada, yada. But let's look at Derry and Rory Geller and the, the, like, I know we're going to come to it in a few minutes, but the history is, history is written by the victors. So like Derry went out and they stifled Tyrone. They had their matchups right. They were niggly, they were nasty. I, I think Mead need a little bit of that. I think Mead need to have a really set game plan about what they want to do and they have to execute. And it's, I'm not sure they're going to have that. I think there'll be, an element it always strikes me and it could be wrong of lads we need to work harder we need to more passion more aggression but they're, they're all really generic terms that there's no actual way of implementing those things without some sort of structure and I think that's what Mead are badly lacking and you know I, I'm not sure if that's going to change I mean you, you can't change massively in three or four weeks between league and, and championships so I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it'll be more of the same for Mead and kind of as Stevie alluded to earlier there might be a 20 minute spurt where it might be you know, competitive for a while, but eventually, eventually, the system will nearly always win, and it's it's hard to see anything but a seven or eight or nine point win for Dublin. To be honest, yeah, it's certainly going to be a challenge for Mead. Two more games, Stevie in Leinster, Westmead three thirteen, Longford not fourteen, and Kildare two twenty two to Louds not 
12. Just on the Kildare game. Now, Kildare went up 7-0 and then went 10-1. So, for a large part of this game, Louth didn't really get started. How important is it for a team that is inferior to the team that they're playing to manage out the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the game and not let it get away from you? Yeah, Joe, it's important. It's obviously important, but going to that specific game itself, I, I never really grasped the, the, the hype around Louth. I could never really get my head around the, the hype surrounding them. And I know Sam will write on a very high profile podcast and talked about winning all Ireland's and Leinster's and, you know, and sometimes it, when you, you know, when you're setting goals, like I think one of the, one of the, the most important things about any goal setting is that your, your targets have to be achievable and realistic. And I don't think those targets are achievable or realistic for Louth. I think it was a, I think it was a wake up call for where Louth football's at. Louth club football wouldn't be very strong, Joe. Um, it's a small county. Obviously, look, hooray to them for getting promoted again. Brilliant, like you know. But it was one of those leagues where for me, for me, it was no surprise. Killer have a little bit more about them this year. Uh, I've said that before. Uh, they have a little bit more about. Obviously, you know the likes of Jimmy Hyland, who has been a promising player for them, coming from their under twenty one uh, successful team. You know, it, it it's taken him a while, but he seems to have found his feet now. But one player who has really, really come of age, I know it, it's hard to say this come of age because he's been around a long time, but he seems to have matured uh, from a playing perspective is Daniel Flynn. Uh, he's playing playing really, really outstanding football. And if he can hold his and Kildare can bring, as Daniel talked about, that sort of wee edginess and that nastiness. And they've got four men involved with Kildare now who bleed Kildare football. You know, the players, if you can't sit in a changing room and look at those lads and what they have done for Kildare and not have or drive or passion, you know, and it's slightly different for Kane O'Neill. Kane on the on the on the train quite a bit. He's been around a lot of counties, so maybe for the likes of someone like that coming into a county like Kildare, maybe just doesn't get the same reaction from the players or whatever's needed. But these guys coming in, you know, have obviously given Kildare footballers a real lift, Joe. You know, and the talent's always been in Kildare. What what what's always been pointed at Kildare, and particularly from northern teams, is that Kildare is a soft centre, weak mentally, soft centre you know, uh, have been bullied easily. And this year was just, i seen small differences in their game. And they were unlucky. They were very unlucky not to stay in Division 1. They were very unlucky. You know, they were unlucky against Tyrone not to win the game. They were unlucky in, in the athletic ground as well. You know, they, they put up very, very spurred displays. Obviously, the victory over Dublin was a huge uh, victory for them as a group, you know, and I think that will have given them an awful lot of confidence. But again, Joe, that victory came in Newbridge. You know, a packed Newbridge partisan a, a, a you know provincial club ground with you know thousands in the rowing them home and their own surroundings their own pitch I just think it's different when it gets to Croker like I just think it's slightly different and and that's something that, that w- will probably play against them when it comes to the final they will beat Westmead Westmead obviously had a spurted win over Longford it was a game that could have went either way I think Longford stayed in division three just on the basis of Leash were that bad. I think that's why Longford more or less stayed in the division. So, you know, Longford weren't, weren't particularly that good in the National League. And, and I know it's been a tough year for Billy. It's his first year in the management, Billy Lachlan and stuff like that, and very, very inexperienced. So he learned from this as well as a manager and things like that. But for someone like Longford, actually, the Talisman Cup is probably a good opportunity. New manager can try things out, can have a look at things, can maybe integrate a couple of younger players or things like that. But for me, Joe, no, it's 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 going to be a, a Dublin Kildare final. And with that, Daniel, Dublin Kildare in the final. Obviously, you, you think Dublin will win that. Can you see Kildare then making a run through the qualifiers? 
Yeah, quite possibly. I suppose a lot depends on the draw now at this stage, really, you know, because you're going to probably be getting a big gun, you know, and it's, 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 there's a massive amount of luck with it, really, to be honest with you. If they get the right draw in the right venue, absolutely. And, and Stevie kind of said that the, they definitely are playing with a bit more bottle and a bit more guts this year. I, again, I'll, I'll wait to see a championship game in, 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 in Croke Park and, in, you know, to really stress test, the, stress test what they have, you know, because, um, as we said, energy and aggression, all these things will get you to a point, but it's the overall... It's, it's the overall structure is what's going to take you over the line. So absolutely, if they get the right draw, yes, they can, of course, go for a run. But I still think they're probably a couple of years away from maximizing their development. I'd say another maybe year or two. Um, obviously, going down to Division 2, I'd say it's a bit of a hit to the system. If they could have stayed up in Division 1, another year under the belt playing Division 1 would have been massive, you know, and, and getting confidence in what you're doing. But um, when it comes to the business end of the year, I, I can't see Kildare kind of just yet making, making that jump. Okay, perhaps a bit too early for Kildare. Moving on to Ulster, lads. Um, Stevie, we'll have a look at the Monaghan down game. Let's get this one out of the way as quick as we can. Um, now, Monaghan looked comfortable throughout this match. I heard we James, uh, James McCartan getting interviewed after the match, and he said the game went according to script. Monaghan were really good, but how much of that was down to Down's approach to the game and everything that happened before the game and just the state of Down football, I suppose? I suppose first things first, Joe. For me, there's no script for any game. You know, you write your own script in any game of football. So, uh, I don't, I don't like that terminology. But look, for me, Monaghan had 11 different scores on the day. Uh, I seen Monaghan playing this year, Joe. Like even the likes of McCarran and McManus were quite relatively quiet there on on Saturday pass, which is which is actually very concerning from a down point of view. You know, the goals either side of half time where Monaghan switched off for a five minute period. You know, put a put a put a half decent gloss on 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 what was an absolute pummeling Joe of the highest order, one of the worst uh, defeats I would say in, in championship history for Down. You know, probably coupled with the Donegal defeat in Paddy Talley's last year, last year. But it's a culture thing, Joe. Uh, it's seeped in. It's seeped in throughout the county now. It's seeped into the players. It's seeped in everywhere. It is seeped in everywhere. We have a minor team that were absolutely, you know, played off the park by Fermanagh a few weeks ago and a minor team for the first time, I think, ever in the history of, of, of minor football had had multiple walkouts of the panel, you know, players walking away from the panel and stuff. That's unheard of, like, at that level. And I just think, Joe, we're in a really bad place from a down perspective. Um, I'm obviously coaching and managing and down at the minute, your own club, Mayor Bridge. And, like, I've watched down club football, Joe, for the past 10, 11 years, and I can't accept the talent's not in the county. I can't accept those words. I really just can't accept, oh, the players aren't here. We are where we are. I hate that narrative. I hate it. I just think it, it's just, it's wrong because I'm looking at talented players every week in the down club leagues. And I said to Daniel off the record as well, like, like we're coming up against teams every Friday night and every Friday night, you have four or five key players in every club team you're looking at going, he is capable of playing county football. He's capable of playing county football. He's capable of playing county football. And that's just division one, Joe. So let's go into Division 2, Division 3. Division. I'm sure there's other players in the end divisions as well that are equally uh, as capable. But there doesn't seem to be any apathy. There doesn't seem to be any love or, or passion or want to play for down. It seems to be a chore for some people. It seems to be just a, whatever, just a, a hobby. You know, there needs to be a group of players, Joe, that are going to solely commit for four or five years 
to a program, to an SSC program. There has to be consistency in that respect. There's to be consistency within a management team as well. There has to be a management team there. The players see it's going to be there for a bit of longevity, not someone who's there for a stopgap. And I don't, you know, particularly blame James for it. Like, but at the same time, players aren't stupid. Players know James is only there as a quick fix. They're going to just take advantage. They're going to take liberties. You know, his hands are then tied. So it's a whole combination of things for me. What is the way forward? Well, there needs to be a branch review of everything from, from county board level right down to the bottom, development squads, the whole lot. There needs to be key personnel approach. There needs to be top coaches in the county, young people who are enthusiastic, who are energetic, teachers as well. There's plenty of good people within this county to drive this thing forward, but they need to be approached. They need to be sitting around a table in the Canal Court in Uri or, or Burndale in Newcastle and saying, right, what are we going to do here now and where are we going to start? And we start from the bottom and we work up, Joe. And you see the senior level, and I know, listen, spoke to Damien McCrank the other day, Damien, uh, and made a very good point. He says, anybody, anybody under 24 years of age, get them in under 24, take your hip, go to Division 4, build like Derry did, rebuild with a group of young lads who want to play for down, who are willing to put their shoulder to the wheel and commit to everything, and just move on with that, and move on with that. And you may take a hit for four or five years, whatever it happens to be, Derry did it, look where they are now. We've got the right man in place. There's longevity with Gallagher. He's maximising what he has there. Yes, Derry have good footballers, etc. But that on Saturday, Joe, was a tough watch. A tough watch. And I would say, Joe, it was probably one of the worst supported down teams in living memory because there was no one that I knew. No one that I knew went to clone. Yeah, there certainly was something like three or 4,000 at Clonus, and it's not something that you would expect uh, from, from, a, from a down team, Daniel. Um, Stephen pointed out earlier on in the podcast that one of the down players had an interview with one of the uh, papers in the North, the Irish News, and he said that he wasn't looking forward to the Talchon Cup and that it was pointless. Now, this is the opposite of what sort of James McCartan has said, but James McCartan says, you know, we, we need to be competitive in the Talchon Cup. So some of the players aren't interested. So th this is a really bad situation. Yeah, and uh, like I, I was trying to think of this with my players hat on as well, and and I was uh, unfortunate enough to get the last year to Tommy Murphy, and I, I remember training in between with, with with low numbers, and it was it was torturous. Like, and obviously I, I we went away and plugged away at it regardless and played our game. We lost to Antrim, and it was yeah, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great memory. So from a player's point of view. It, it, it just wasn't it, it wasn't fantastic so I can kind of understand where he's coming from but it's I look at even the I've been in contact with Stevie a good bit and you're looking at the down club scene like what what would I want to be doing as let's say a Maybridge player at the moment if I'm in with a county team do I want to be training for five four or five weeks with maybe 10 11 lads there getting ready for a Challenging Cup game or do I want to be playing really high class competitive league games with my club um and and I, I know the the background of what's going on up there, and you were and the lads are getting some top quality coaching, like and they're top quality S and C, and 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 a good vibe around the panel, like and I can only imagine it's the opposite of that in down at the moment. I'd say it's it's quite toxic. I'd say it's it's a hard place to be, and there's only one decision for me personally there as a player. Anyway, I, I know what I want to commit to because at this point in time, I'm looking at well, what's my what's my area of success? A, a county final with my club. I want to win a league or win it win a club championship. So. That's the way I'd be approaching it, but it's it's the mixed messaging even isn't good coming from coming from the both, and, and this is where I come back to the, the the original thought process of after the league, like maybe people in down thought they could win Ulster. I, I don't know is that, is that thought process always there every year, or would they have the you know would they be humble enough to say right lads Ulster is not for us, but maybe we could have a little bit of development with 
with Intelligent Cup. But, you know, we, we've all heard the kind of rumours pre-championship that were coming out in bits and pieces. And if they weren't taking Ulster seriously, they're definitely not going to take Intelligent Cup seriously. So, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. And I think Steve used the word mismanagement. And, and it's not necessarily mismanagement of the senior team, but there seems to be mismanagement from the top down. And there's... There, Without doubt, I was even looking at some of the physical conditioning of some of the down fellas. There's really good athletes there, but it looks like they're kind of a bit of headless chicken stuff. And and that's obviously coming from, that is coming from the top down. And, and that probably needs to be addressed as soon as possible, or it's just going to continue in this fashion. Yep, there certainly seems to be no uh, particular type of game plan. Well, he's moving on to Derry and Tyrone. <clears throat> the uh, Probably the best performance of the weekend, Stevie. Incredible performance there from Derry. What were your thoughts, overall thoughts on that? I think Joe, Rory Gallagher is obviously, you know, renowned for being a defensive coach, as, you know, lazy, lazy punditry, what I told you in the past. Like, But in fact, Joe, one of the things that I think he has actually really, really rejuvenated in Derry is and they were one of the highest scoring teams in the National League on the, on the turnover, which is interesting. You know, they, they got a large proportion of their scores from turnover ball. And when you turn over ball, Joe, a team is probably vulnerable for those first 10, 15 seconds. So I think what Derry are really, really have really progressed on this year is their ability, Joe, to maximize a turnover into a score. And that comes, Joe, from a lot of hard work. It comes from getting runners ahead of the ball. It comes from getting the right personnel in the ball. You know, it, it comes from a serious, serious high level of conditioning. And that's something that Derry have been doing. You know, obviously it was well documented. Derry would have been training away you know, at, at, at different stages, maybe when other teams weren't training, like, you know, and that, that was, that was a fact, like people in Derry would have told you that, like, and, and that, that's where you get gains. That's where you obviously make gains on teams, but look impressively on, on Saturday or sorry, Sunday, Joe, that, that 31 attacks and they scored 19 times, you know, uh, Tyrone had I think, 29 attacks and only scored 10. They limited Tyrone to three points in play as well, but look, they've got a huge level of experience, Kieran, the likes of, of um, Brendy Rogers. Uh, Christy McKeague, McKinless, like those guys are warriors, like absolute warriors. McKeague's a gem. You know, he, he's Marty Clark described him at BBC One as one of the best man markers in Ulster. I remember watching Christy McKeague performing a man marking role on Damer uh, Connolly when Slock Neil played St. Vestas. The game was in Nuri, an All Ireland semi final. It was phenomenal. Not only did he stop uh, Connolly going one way, he sent Connolly the other way and got three scores from play. You know, Conley scored one point and McKeague got three and never gave him a step. And it was it was one of the most outstanding individual displays of, of half-back play I'd seen. Brendan Rodgers, an absolute animal at full-back. And McKinless, what a game McKinless had on Sunday. You know, just snarling the whole way through the game. And, you know, and I think we're chatting about it today in the PE staff room, like and we're sort of saying, like, probably one of the reasons why Brian Kennedy got sent off was because he was that frustrated that McKinless was just tearing pieces out of him. And, you know, and then Joe... Sprinkle in the Benny Hearns and the McGuigans and the Nile Lockers, like the Terry of good footballers, really good footballers. And I would say, you know, looking at at, at obviously Kilku this year, we're, we're, we're Ulster, Ulster club champions, but I would say Malachi O'Rourke and Ryan Porter, they're not hanging around Waddy Graham's for another year for nothing. Like they obviously smell um, an opportunity to, to um, an opportunity, Joe, to really win an Ulster club title with that group, you know. And, and Derry, Derry have good footballers, Joe, really good footballers. And Stevie, you mentioned their defenders there, McKay, Rogers, McKinless, obviously, you know, brilliant 1v1 defenders, but but also, you know, they're like a Connor Glass, Benny Hearn chipped in with a few points, as you said, Shane McGuigan. They, they have good forwards as well that can win you games at the latter parts of the championship. Brilliant forwards. Absolutely brilliant forwards, Joe. And, and this is the thing, like, but this is, this is the same group, Joe. 
this is the same group who had to go to Division 4 to rebuild. You know, don't forget that. Like Derry were, I don't think they were as bad as us. I don't think they were as bad as us. But one thing that they had was, and it's a big thing as well, is there was no, the clubs in Derry had a serious, there was a lack of apathy towards the county board. And clubs in Derry historically always struggled to sort of come together. And there was always a, a hatred between Balahi and uh, Ballanderry and Slot Neil. And, you know, there wasn't a real, real good feel about it. But what Gallagher has done is he's brought all the clubs together. He seems to have created Joe, and, and Daniel will tell you this because he's quite fresh from an inter-county panel, but you, you need a club spirit in a county panel. That's the secret to a really, really good, successful county team. Like, if you've got if you've got fractions and egos and the likes of that, it's not going to work, Joe, you know, and I think that's one thing that Derry have done as well. They've got a really good collective sort of togetherness and buy-in, but, but Joe, mark my words when I tell you this, like, this didn't happen overnight, Joe. This didn't happen overnight. There's been a lot of good work going on. I know people that have been involved in the academies in Derry, uh, you know, the work that's been going on behind the scenes, the clubs are doing an enormous amount of work, but Joe, their schools, their schools, the likes of St. Pat's Maharas and Mary's Mara Felt, these guys, Joe, like these schools are putting fierce, fierce work in, like, you know, and they're winning Ulster titles every other week and, uh, you know, and, at every at every level, particularly A grade level. And that that's, this doesn't happen overnight, like, you know, it's not just a wee Gallagher comes in, waves the magic wand and, and everything's great again. Like this, this has been a, a process that, that has been going on for a long time. And, and, and listen, they're here and they're here to stay. And I'll tell you what, they'll, they'll be, they'll be hard to beat in that semi-final. And Daniel, just as Stevie said, there are, Two questions on this. Uh, first of all, with Derry, do you think they're now at the top table? Would you say they're a top five uh, team that can go on to get to the semi-final final of the All-Ireland? And secondly, uh, Tyrone, how disappointed were you in Tyrone? Um, well, I suppose firstly, from the very, very point of view, like Stevie did say, this has been coming for a while. And, and I was looking at that performance Sunday and I was thinking back to Bally Buffet last year where, where they probably should have beat Donegal. And, and it, it was the exact same script. You know, the blueprint was there for Tyrone. They knew what they were going to get. It was, you know, uh, McCaig was doing a man-marking job. McBearty that day, the exact same as what he did in McCurry. And Donegal was probably a little bit more savvy than Tyrone were on Sunday. And that's probably what got them over the line. But it's... No, to be honest, I don't think they're there yet. And and the, the one reason for that is it, that, that performance was hugely um, emotional. It was it was um, high energy, really high energy, and it, it, it was counter-attacking football. And I'm just wondering, and again, we, myself and Steve, you know this, when you go to Croke Park and you come up against the, the bigger, sorry, come up against a better team or whatever it might be, the, that, that counter-attacking football is a lot harder to play because you do have... There is, even though the dimensions mightn't be a whole lot different, there is, there is a, it's a tougher place to play a counter-attack in football. So the thing for Derry would be replicating that energy, replicating that kind of um, high octane sort of middle third play. And that was, that was one thing I thought that they did really well was, you know, when they did turn Tyrone over, they were sending six, seven, eight runners, not necessarily to get on the ball, but to, to, to mess up that whole middle press from Tyrone. So mid, Tyrone would have liked to, I'd say on occasion, got a little bit of a high squeeze on Derry and not let them out of their own half. But because Derry had so many runners coming out of their half of the field, Tyrone had to follow men. And that just opened up gaps then for runners, you know. And Derry were excellent, no doubt about it, you know. But it's backing up this performance now that another performance is going to be the big thing for them. But um, after going on the rant there and forgetting about your second question, Tyrone, wasn't it? Yeah, Tyrone. Um, how much of it also was down to Tyrone's performance? Uh, do Discipline-wise, they get two red cards as well. That seems to have let them down throughout the year. Um, we're now for uh, Doher and um, Fergal. 
Yeah, I, we were, uh, myself and Steve were hacking up a golf course there on Monday and we were having this chat and I, I said to him on the 18, just as I was becoming disillusioned with my 25 points, but I said to him, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised to see them knocking around in All-Ireland final again this year. And uh, for, just for, Tyrone are always good with a cause. I, I don't think they like being favourites. I don't think they like um, that people like them. I think, they, I think they, want to be, they want to be hated. They want to be everyone against them. And, and that's kind of where they're at now. People are writing them off immediately and... Look, I, I, I think they kind of went away a little bit from what they had been kind of doing fairly well. I, I think last year after Killarney, which, which was a similar performance, I feel, for them, you know, where, where they got a bit of a hammering from carrying the league and, and they just went back to brass tacks, which was what do Tyrone do well is counter-attacking football. And usually when you get two counter-attacking teams playing against each other, it's the first to blink. And I felt Tyrone almost felt they didn't need to drop off Derry. They kind of said, ah, we, we can kind of play a little bit more expansively and, and, and Derry picked them off. So... I think Tyrone will go back to go back to kind of square one of getting their defence in order and going from there. And look, a lot depends on the draw. And I said, if they pulled our man the first round or someone like that, I wouldn't be backing against them because Ty- Tyrone with a cause are extremely dangerous. But in saying all that, the, 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 the squad probably isn't what it was. They probably don't have the same impact coming off the bench. But I, kind of, I, I still have a sneaky suspicion that they will be ex- an extremely hard nut to crack just purely... If they, if they get the discipline, you mentioned discipline, discipline has to be tightened up, but I, I, I think they'll have a little bit of a say towards the end of the year, yeah. Yeah, certainly you should see them getting their act together in the qualifiers. Munster, we had the Limerick-Clare game, Stevie. That was the drawn game that went to penalties. Uh, did you see that penalty shootout? I did, Joe, and it's just a quick one for you, right? It's something that always mystified me, like in that, Yes, okay, the Tyrone Derry game was chosen by BBC and RTE as the live game on Sunday. No issue, no issue whatsoever. I'm not sure why they had a show Monaghan and Down. I'm not sure why they had a show Dublin and Wexford because predictably these games were always going to go one way, you know. But there was a perfect game, you know, with Limerick and, and Clare to, to showcase what's all what, what is very good about counties outside of the big guns, you know. And there's a Clare side who from a durability point of view, and Daniel knows David Tuberty well, like, you know, and, and obviously they have maximised all their resources that they've had. Like, to stay in Division or Division 2 again, like, for that group is 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 phenomenal, like, when you consider they're maximising everything they have. And they've got some fine footballers, Claire, but as I said to you, it's a fantastic win for Billy Lee and Limerick. Um, I texted him during the week to congratulate him, and he said it was one of those games that literally had everything. Like he says, Stephen, every box that had to be ticked was ticked in that game, you know, cards, drama, late scores, missed chances, you know, penalties, you know, the whole lot. And listen, it's a cruel enough way to decide a game, but it adds a wee bit of crack to it too as well, I suppose, for supporters and that. And don't think it's too pleasantly, uh, you'd be too, you'd be too uh, happy if you were in the losing side, like, but it, it was serious euphoria. And you see what it meant to the Limerick players too, Joel. Like them Limerick players, like, let's be honest, the Limerick players know they're not going to win Munster. But my God, if they got the Munster final, like what an achievement for that group. Like, you know, to get to a Munster final, big day out, march behind the band. That's what it's all about, Joe, you know, and, and creating those memories for that group. Like, and again, you know, as I say, I think Tipperary beat Waterford comfortably as well in Munster. But look, there's one winner in Munster, Joe, and I don't think we need to analyze much more than that. Yeah, you know? Tipperary play Limerick and Cork and Kerry, I think, are on next weekend. Uh, Daniel, is that the way you see uh, Munster going? 
Carry yeah, on. absolutely, absolutely. It's um, it's almost as I say, <laughs> without being disparaging to anyone, but it, it it is the it is going to be the case. You know, I can't see Cork causing an upset, but um, just just on CV's point and the scheduling of the games, like if anyone did a little bit of research on Clare Limerick, I mean they they've had quite a number of really close contests since I think Clare have been on the winning end since 2012, but Limerick have been reeling them in, getting closer, getting closer, getting closer, and you just it would have been a nice nod to let's say what we're looking at now with the Talton Cup coming in that if if Sky or RT or whoever might have had the rights just said actually we've done our research let's look at these two teams this could be a cracker you know that that would have been a real kind of a fill up for the, the I won't say lower tier but those other counties who might think they've no hope of getting on TV and it would have been great to see that game live like I, I watched the penalties I think it must have been on an iPhone or something like some of the Sunday game coverage but it was it was an awful pity you couldn't have seen it properly and and, and got to see the whole game because it looked like an absolute cracker but However, um, yeah, so look, I, I'd say Kerry are going to Kerry are going to be safe enough. It certainly was an entertaining game. Clare missed the first two penalties, and then Limerick's penalties were excellent. Moving on, lads, to the last uh, province, Connacht. Stevie, you mentioned it earlier about Tony McEntee getting interviewed and saying how important the Talshan Cup is for Sligo. Uh, your old uh, county there, Russ Common, there was an early sending off on that game uh, from Sligo, and they didn't really recover from that yeah, look, whatever whatever chance Sligo had, Joe, with 15 men, they're not going to have any with 14 men, particularly against the Roscommon team who are playing with a lot of confidence. You know, obviously, um, you know, injury-free this year. Ultan Harney injury-free. Cahill Hennigan injury-free. You know, Donny injury-free. The guys have come back this year, you know, in really good shape. They've had a good winter. Um, you know, the big thing about Roscommon, Joe, and I've said this before, is that there's a very good 15 footballers in Roscommon that, that can compete with anybody on any given day. The big issue that you have is if you pick up five or six injuries or whatever, a man not available for whatever reason or another, when you start delving deeper into the panel, and it was one of the big things I remember saying to, to Brian Carl at the time, the chairman, like what they needed to do to compete on a regular basis and, and break that glass ceiling of getting to a last four. And one of the things he said for me was obviously to have a conveyor belt of players coming through on a regular basis, Joe, that were able to compete with the likes of a Dublin or a Galway or a Kerry, because from a size perspective and a population perspective, they're always going to produce big players, big panels. And that's one thing about them. On, on their day, Roscommon's 15 will give anybody a game. And, and listen, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to win Connacht this year at all. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because, you know, they're, they're, they're playing with a lot of confidence again. And Division 2 is probably the level that, that 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 suits them a little bit better. Um, you know, you get the division one and it's a bit more it's a bit more a bit more of a hard edge needed, Joe, and a bit more of a deeper panel. Like there's Tyrone, for example, this year lost five players from the Armagh game and the following week they played Kildare and still grind out the win. You know, I think if Roscommon were to lose five of that current start in 15, would the grind out wins in division one? No, probably not. You know, would they beat Galway? No, probably not. So listen, they've a great opportunity to keep everyone fit. Uh, Connor Daly's back there I've seen at the weekend as well for spell uh, he's back from injury so he'll tighten things up as well defensively but probably Daniel would have seen it in the league final as well the National League final the, 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 the Connacht final well sorry I've been disrespectful to the Leitrim actually I think Galway will probably beat Leitrim this weekend and it will be a Connacht final of, of Galway and Roscommon but I think looking back to the National League it's going to be a tale of two goalkeepers. And I know that I know people sort of think, oh, there's too much made of kickouts or restarts or whatever you want to call them, but they're a huge part of the game. You know, there's 30 in a game. You know, there's 30, there, there's perceivably possibly 25 to 30 kickouts in any one game, you know, for, for a, a, a team. So you're, you're looking at the guts of 50 kickouts, maybe possibly in a game, Joe. You know, so they're a massive, massive part of the game. And I think, you know, Roscommon have probably struggled when teams have pressed them and Galway have struggled when teams have pressed them. So it'll be very, very interesting kind of final to see Whoever comes up, probably possibly with with uh, an innovative and, and creative kick, kick out strategy, could be the team that gets over the line. 
yeah, that's certainly going to be an interesting game. Obviously, Galway will have to get over Leitrim uh, first. Okay, lads, just before we sign out, I know we, we've got football matches and training to go to ourselves. We don't really, da Daniel, we don't really delve in too much to the hurling side of things, but there was a handshake at the weekend there. What were your thoughts on that handshake? Yeah, it was interesting. And, and you know, like, I was a bit surprised, uh, a bit surprised when I saw it. But then I was thinking, I, like, this isn't unusual, is it? You know, and it's probably a pity the Sky Sports cameras weren't at the league final that day. Like, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you see, if there was a, like a lip reader and we saw a video, you might see Stephen saying, best of luck in the, in the first round of championship, John. I think that, that's, that's what was coming out. Was it Stephen, I think? Is that Tommy Sugru? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Tommy Sugar, is it? The least one. No. Listen, hey, look, I was I was John sending me. He says, you're very welcome down to O'Loughlin's Hotel in Port Leash after for a pint with myself and Colin Parkinson. That's what he said to me. You know? There's certainly no animosity between yourself and John Sugar there, Stevie, was there? No, 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 no. It's just a friendly a friendly exchange of, look, if you need, if you need, if you need anything, give me a call, John. You know? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. All right, lads. Well, listen, thanks very much for coming on the show and thanks for listening in to everyone. And hopefully we'll see you in two weeks time.